0: Well, the biggest secret in footy has finally been revealed and we're not talking about Jaden Stevenson's hotel romp with a chambermaid. No, the Astros season keeps getting more Astrosky with the announcement that for the first time since the infamous 1991 grand final at Waverley Park, the grand final is Brisbane bound. And I've got to say, we're excited. This is Hard. Looking at
1: Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne.
2: I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Yeah, the Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with food factories. As
1: gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. He's
2: the smartest guy on the team. We don't have too many to pick from. you have
0: to go back to the grave at
1: the MCG for an American to dominate like this.
0: I still can't believe it. I okay. Oh.
2: The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed More comfortable myself. That's oh, It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut, shut up Now before
0: we dive into the cultural mecca that is Brisbane I'm Damien Miller and with me as always is the esteemed Pie Hard team, Alex Watkins Hello Alex
2: Fabulous to be here Damo.
0: Great to have you back, and Jay Tarabo, fresh from a, a hard day at the um, at the stock market. How are you going? Uh, it's been tough out there, but it's good to be here. It's good, nice to have a break. I hear there's a recession in the air.
1: There's a, there's a recession in the air. There definitely is, but uh, the, you know the tills are still ringing and uh, there's a bit of cash coming through the system. So probably, we'll be fine. probably won't we'll won't be hurt
0: fine. the biggest club in the land, not with a man like Alex Weislitz mm-hmm. at the helm making all the big moves, making sure that we don't fall into the uh, the dark days of 1986, Just using this downtime
2: to plan the next ball, isn't he? Just get all those details in place. Canapes.
0: Oh, this is where he makes his money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah this, is where, this is the low point. This is when he really makes his moves.
1: You'll be getting a bargain on wherever it is, that's for sure.
0: Well, now, before we start, uh, we do have a massive show. Obviously, as always, lots going on in the world of the Collingwood Football Club. But before we do, a really quick... Uh, A recap. I think there's probably no better place to start than um, a very quick summarization of uh, our win on the weekend. Was it the weekend? I don't even know. They're just games every day now, but the, the last win against our old foe Carlton. Now, as it's normally the game of the season, and it's one of the most hyped games against Carlton. There's always plenty of historical references. You know, Channel Seven roll out the highlights package. I think this year it was featuring Abbotsford's lost son, Dale Thomas. Mm. But at Pie Hard, there is an element of scepticism, um, and we're not always the the ones to swallow the hyperbole. So we actually we asked our fans this week, whether they thought that the Collingwood and Carlton rivalry was as strong as it's ever been, or whether it was, you know, kind of something, uh, a throwback to the 80s. So before we get into it, I wanted to ask you gentlemen, straight off the bat, and I'll start with you, Alex Watkins, Mm. do you care about the Carlton rivalry?
2: Well, look, Damien, I'm one to usually dismiss the hyperbole. Uh, surrounding the rivalry, and I did so last week. I spent the whole week talking it down. I really just felt the weight of the season on top of me, and um, we've just been grafting and grinding, and with with very little release, with very little uh, kind of cause for celebration, for true celebration. And so, yeah, I was talking it down all week, and then something happened on Sunday, and <laughs> yeah. I can't explain. I mean, I'm genuinely, I felt the spirit just re-emerged into the the Collingwood army and I just felt it. We all felt it. It was just amazing, you know, amazing kind of uh, transformation. What do you think?
0: The ghost ghost of Alan McAllister, just (laughs) in through the mouth, down into the soul with a watering can, just just, uh, propagating the seeds once more.
2: That's right. And so it just feels like we're back, baby, and we've got Carlton to thank for it. So rivalry... I'm into
1: it. <laughs> what about you, Turbo? No, I liked it. I liked it too. I thought, um, I mean, look, the reality is, is is, it was probably, I mean, Carlton's been so insignificant for how long now? Like 20 years? Mm. So it probably was uh, the biggest game for them. Uh, in a very long time so it's probably the, the closest it's gotten to the actual rivalry in the last 20 years because they have been so uh insignificant but um but it was just great that we beat them because uh you know that was this was their line in the sand game for them to prove that they can you know play with the big boys mm. but uh they can't, they can't so
2: no put them in their place didn't we
1: i you know it was good. If you're going to knock anyone off their perch, you want it to be Carlton or Melbourne.
2: Yeah, exactly. Straight off the bat, was there
0: a um, was there a moment or a player that piqued your interest specifically regarding the game? Was there was there obviously the groundswell of you know that feeling L that that we're back was very strong. I think a lot of the mm. Collingwood fans out there would have felt that. But was there was there a single moment or yeah. pe- perhaps a contribution from a player that that helped it all click
2: well look for me the obvious answer would be and he's been surprising us for a while now would be young Josh Dacos but I'm not going to go there I've got a different answer for this one I really enjoyed the fact that we we've been putting in so much effort for, for so little reward as I, as I said um, but this time it felt like a lot of that momentum was gained through our younger players and our youth, and Tyler Brown had a terrific game. I thought it was eye-catching. It was almost a breakout performance. But the one I'm going with, I'm calling it the salt and pepper pair. <laughs> We've got John Noble and IQ off half-backs. Just with this incredible uh, flourish of the Yang. offense. offense. Um, they just look like they belong. They take the game on. They've got good foot skills. And I'm, I'm seeing John... And Isaac as potentially ten-year stalwarts of our backline. What do you think, Turbo?
1: Wow! No, I just loved. Uh, I loved uh, how the. I, t- I completely agree with you. Um, I loved how the commentators are talking about Quaino, like he's played two hundred games. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, it's great that he's back. He's so important to the team. You know, he gives him so much drive of half back. But, but it's, it's like it's like, <laughs> like game, a game seven or something, yeah. you know. Um, but I definitely agree that uh, that we definitely did. We just looked a bit smoother. There was a bit of silk uh I don't know a bit of like the rust had come off a bit, you know.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I agree. I think it's fucking insane though. Like we've we've added two speedsters, like small ground level speedsters, running out of defence in the last what year, mm. and it's transformed our team. Team other teams have been doing this for six years. <laughs> it took it took a while for the penny to drop, but you know what? Um, not to be not to turn this into a negative. I think we're uh, we we're, we're glad we're glad that we're finally cottoned on.
2: Yes.
1: Can I just say uh, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. All of a sudden we're back because we've become <laughs> yes. North Melbourne. Yeah, we <laughs> are back. That's two That's teams enough. That that's... Have been, been nothing.
0: Listen, that's enough for the Pie Hard team. We've been uh, we've been looking, we've been peering through the darkness for little little grabs of light, and I think we've finally got one. So let's let's run towards
1: it. I just I just think also we're timing the season well. We've had yeah. our scratchy. Last four or five weeks, which so what we won four out of the last five games um, with half a team. Uh, we played a few kick kids, you know. We rested up some players. We had some injuries, you know. And now it's kind of get to the back end of the season and and uh, and you know time to you know get in get into another gear. Couldn't
2: now. agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think it's also coincided this little you wouldn't call it a purple patch, would you? But there's a bit of color back in there. It's coincided mm. with the first sweet sense of spring. And mm. we're also in Victoria just approaching, potentially approaching the end of the hard lockdown, although we don't quite know what's going to happen. But there's a bit of mm. hope in the air. There's, there's some yeah. blossoms blooming. Um, and it's just got a bit, of, a bit of a good feeling in regards to timing. Uh, getting some of our players back, I believe, mm. in the next few weeks. Talk of JDG coming in, which we'll talk about mm. later, I know. But, mm. um, yeah, we're just starting to turn the corner. It's a good feeling.
0: Yeah, there's certainly a waft of uh, Zertec and cut grass in the air, which can only mean one thing, and that is football finals. Mm. Um, they are – well, it's a little bit different this year. I think we should, be, uh, we should be entering football finals right now in any other year. But, of course, we've got a couple more weeks to go. But one thing that caught my eye, gentlemen, and uh, we have been pumping these guys up for a long time now, and we are firmly in the camp of one Josh Thomas – um, didn't set the world on fire, but you can see the machinations of Josh Thomas twenty eighteen clicking over, mm. and I think it all comes down. I, I mean, Josh Thomas is a player that feeds on the connection from further up the field, so I think he'll be the beneficiary of a Brody Grundy that's finding connection with midfielders that run off halfback, that quicker ball movement, that mm-hmm. that Isaac Quainor through the middle. Um, kind of take the game on and run. I think what you'll find is the Swoop Squad will um, will have their renaissance. Uh, and also, I've got to say, I was very doubtful on um, Nathan Buckley going with uh, the four rucks. Yeah, call me old fashioned, but uh, you know, when I grew up, there was Run ruckman. But um, I, I, Nathan Buckley, he's a uh, he's a left of centre thinker, and I don't mind. Uh, the theory of just controlling the living hell out of the air, uh, as opposed to um, to the ground. So we'll see if he keeps that up. But there is a there is a space in this team, I think, for four or five Ruckman mm. if, if we uh, continue the way we're going.
2: All the better.
1: Max Lynch must be a bit hard hard done by not getting a game if they're playing five Ruckman. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well that just it just shows our ruck depth at the moment, isn't it? It's uh it's it's very deep and who needs a power forward when you've got um you know literally seven ruckmen on your list uh vying for one or two spots. Uh but we will talk about key, po- key power forwards a little bit later, but the big news today um and it would be remiss of us not to uh talk about it and we did touch on it at the start of the show uh the afl gillen up at uh the uh, beautiful hub at sanctuary cove uh, on the golf course today announced that there would be a brisbane grand final this year uh a night grand final um which to be honest isn't really a surprise to anyone i think the idea of the afl spending another 75 million dollars in Lifting up the competition and replanting them in another state was probably a, a, a bit of a, a notion slightly too far. But it has thrown up a few concerns from the Pie Hard team. And look, let's be honest Brisbane isn't exactly the cultural hub that is Melbourne. So, as the uh, podcast that is the official cultural podcast, what can fans expect to see from this grand final? And I wanted to throw it out there to you, to you boys. But from things like corporate dining to special guests to grand final entertainment, what is Brisbane Brisbane going to be going to be able to to pull out here? Because we know that the bar was lifted very high um, off the back of numerous grand finals at the MCG. Turbo, I know you've got some thoughts on this one.
1: No, I think it's great. Uh, I think they made the right decision. Uh, I'd much rather have it in Brisbane than in Perth. Uh, especially uh, if West Coast make the grand final because it would be a bit of a wash. Um, I just have one request to Gil, who we know listens to the pod and always wants to come on, but we're like, no, we focus on Collingwood. Mm. One request. Please, 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 no Powderfinger. Mm. Oh,
0: I like it. I like where you're going with this. So Powderfinger has quickly risen to the top of the...
1: Uh, we know their we local... Say charts. Mm. You know, we know that they're a local Brisbane piece of Bernard. Not mm. even a Bernard Fanic only. Mm. Just, just, I'm, I'm really concerned about the uh, the the low cost uh, entertainment that will probably come in Damo? Yeah, no, I think we have to stick with tradition here and fly
0: in a big American act. Um, none of this, you know, supporting local musicians, uh, at a time of need or crisis. I think this is a big time to re- reinvigorate some, um, you know, some enjoyment by flying in a top tier artist.
1: Do you think that this was part of the discussion with uh, Palaszczuk, is that the name of the premiere up there, Uh, about, um, you know, not, I guess, foregoing the quarantine, Uh, maybe a fly-in, fly-out international act, comes in, does the show, gets on the plane, straight back to the US?
0: Well, look, my biggest concern with Powderfinger is they've they've already announced their retirement three times and they're moving into John Farnham territory. And I have a big issue with artists... That do the big farewell tour, only mm. to um, do the uh, you know the three years later they reform. It's a big spectacle. I think Powderfinger even did that at the start of this quarantine. Got together and did one of those shocking live kind of things that no one <laughs> watches. And my, I, I just. I plead to the powers that be at the AFL: mm. no Australian musicians and and no no Powderfinger. I mean, if you are like, the, I'll, I'll go out here. If you are going to re to bring a famous Brisbane artist back, it would have to be Savage Garden.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, oh yeah, big. The, the, those two, they hate. Yeah, big, big. They hate each other. They're on record. I think one of the guys said was asked a question, what would it take to, to reform the band? And he said, for it to cure cancer. Ooh. Now, <laughs> when, you're, when you're laying that kind of heat down, yeah. that kind of potency and venom, I mean, Gil is a master negotiator here. And I think if anyone could potentially bring Savage Garden back to the table
1: for at least a conversation, yeah. it's our boy Gil. Well, perhaps uh, you know COVID, cancer, you know, compromise. Who knows? What does Alex? What does um, what does corporate hospitality hospitality look like
0: at uh, in Brisbane in October twenty four? Getting towards cricket season, getting warmer.
2: Yes, and given that it's an asterisk season, we want everything to be basically as weird as we can possibly make it. I think it's late in the year. It's in Queensland. We're hoping for thirty six degrees, like a real stinker. Um, mm. In terms of corporate hospitality, I'd say prawn cocktails bring out some Mm. of that beautiful local Queensland Mm. fare, mid-strength beer, Mm. uh, 4X, bad luck, Carlton Draft, you're out. What do you think, Turbo?
1: Mm. Uh, There's definitely got to be some Morton Bay bugs.
2: Mm. Oh, yes. I mean, the cornucopia of uh, degustation delights in the President's Club on grand final day should Mm. just be unrivaled. It should take things to a whole nother level, but... Guys, there's there's something I'm concerned about with the transition to Queensland, which I'd like to bring up. Yeah. I think, as we know, uh, we go to the grand final to watch a terrific game. We go there for the corporate hospitality to make contacts. We go there for the pre-game yeah. entertainment. But above all, we go to the grand final for the grand final sprint. And yeah. I'm concerned that given the COVID situation, we will um, not be able to incorporate players from yeah. other clubs, potentially outside of the hub, potentially players that didn't even make the finals. We're not going to be able to get them there Mm. onto the ground to mingle. So I'm proposing that we we turn this into a celebration of uh, Queensland's fauna and we have Mm. a three-piece race between the cane toad, the stingray, and an adolescent saltwater (laughs) crocodile. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, coming down the wing. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We could get uh little Bob Irwin maybe to officiate.
2: Mm, Bob and Bindi. Maybe yes. with
0: Bob and Bindi with the uh, start gun. So I like that. So who have we got? We've got the cane toad, which is probably a little bit slow out of the blocks. Mm. Stingray could struggle given it It would be it's um good good would be forced to run on land outside of water. A bit warm, yeah. Uh, and, that leaves you with an adolescent cro- crocodile, not at full power, not at full strength, but developing. We could be in for
1: a long race here,
0: what about, uh, I
1: like the idea of that. What about instead of them racing that we have one of those slippery slides that just goes like 200 metres along and, mm. and, uh, and then the cane toad and the stingray at least feel like they're at home a bit?
0: Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. What about if we're on the subject of animals, what about just a good old-fashioned cockfight? <laughs> so in the centre circle... We we transform the centre circle into a um into a, a kind of bird fighting arena. Mm. Two prized um you know Brisbane raised cocks go in there. One's dressed up in the um in the uh, elaborate costume of of Team A or whoever's in the final, assuming it's Collingwood. The other one in the uh, competition, and it's just a death battle in the centre square, just to really peek up. Um, you yeah, the, uh, know, the
1: attention, Turbo? That's definitely, uh, that, that'll that definitely be uh, good for, for pre-game, I think. That's more of a pre-game, you know. But I was thinking, yeah. um, you know, bringing back maybe Circus Oz, but but not Circus Oz in its current form, but maybe Circus Oz from like 1982 with all okay. the wildlife mm. animals. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, just, just, you know, because I always think of Queensland and Gold Coast as, as, you know, a bit behind the times. So, yeah.
0: They do they do have form in this area. Yeah. They do have form in this area with um, Do you guys remember Expo 88? <laughs> I went, yeah. Well, you know, for those of you, for those of the listeners out there that would remember remember Expo 88, that essentially put Brisbane on the global map. Mm. So uh, it was it was a, a it was a cultural expo where countries this is pre-internet, so for any of the younger listeners, try and try and remove yourself from the current situation. Countries from around the world would come and promote their wares, their food, their travel. It would be a place of business mixed with pleasure. Mm. There were rides. Uh, it, it really was. It really was the moment. I mean, if 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 the Sydney Olympics put Sydney, you know, firmly on the, in the on the lips of the global um, uh, audience, then Expo eighty eight surely was that that moment for Brisbane. And I think if they could, yeah, absolutely channel 1988 Brisbane.
2: Mm, It was a coming out ceremony. Sure. And I think um, that's probably around the time they made those, um, the chairs all different colours. That was a very 1988 aesthetic they went with. Around the time of, I think, um, big Roger Merritt, for instance, uh, you know, up, up up in the warmer climes. and so if you could return to those heady days, uh, I've got no doubt the grand final will be a great success.
0: I think there's a there's a golden opportunity to um, celebrate the best of Brisbane with the uh, you know the grand final motorcade, which goes around the ground pre um, pre match. So I'm mm. thinking, you know, Roger Merritt, as you touched on, um, uh, Christopher Skase, uh, corpse like Corp. in the uh, in the back of like a pope mobile. Um, you could have Agro from Agro's Cartoon Connection. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, just a real celebration of those, uh, those iconic, um, you know, you know, Brisbane's founders, Warwick Capper, to celebrate his one year. Meter metermaids. Um, that, you know, who's the, who's the, um, the candy man who hangs out at the Gold Coast mansion. <laughs> know. What's his name? He <laughs> the cigarette guy he always has the Playboy Playboy mansion parties?
2: Very ugly picture you're painting here. All I can say is mm. these days turned out nothing like we'd planned. God. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. If beating the arch enemy and torching their finals hopes in the process warms the cockles, then you need to follow us on socials at pie hard podcast on Instagram and Twitter, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and never miss an episode of pie hard's influential Collingwood output like this one. So as the race to the finals heats up, uh, as does the list of injured players racing the clock to prove their fitness. And one of those players in the Thick of it is the thick necked pit viper and pie hard favorite Jordan DeGoey. Now this week Nathan Buckley revealed that DeGoey's tentative return was around the mark of the last regular game of the season. Mm. I believe it's Port Adelaide. So that's the that's the time frame. That's what they're looking at. I think he's still got the pin in the finger. So there's a there's a little bit of work to be done there, potentially a um a trip to um, Wolfgang. See our old friend Wolfgang, um, uh, Mueller, Mueller-Wolfhart in in Germany, just for a, a little bit of the old calf blood serum in that finger. But what did capture our eye uh, this week was a photo of Dugowie at training, which looked you know, nothing out of the ordinary until you looked uh, down the arm of his right hand, and he was wearing a black protective glove now we were instantly enamored by this image and this visual yeah uh which stirred a lot of feelings from the past and it has sent us down a rabbit hole looking at a history of just some of the magpies uh, in the past who have donned the gloves before now before you guys come out i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to get your memories on this at the moment because i have crafted a very elaborate um New segment, which I'm calling glove-related trivia. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw some questions at you guys. Our first answer is uh, first one answer wins, or um, gets the answer to the question. Right? Is the winner. So I'll start off with the first question. Now, if you can play play along at home, although this isn't really going to work because this is not a live scenario. So um, by all means, amuse yourself. But. Question one: Inspired by his love of American football, Footsgray defender Tony Campbell became the first AFL player to wear gloves. In which year?
1: Can someone have a go. Do, do, do we have a bell? Or...
2: Yeah, we need a buzzer. My my buzzer sound is. All right,
1: I'm like. We can maybe put the put the put the
2: buzzers in uh, post. Okay, uh, I'm going to guess 1986.
1: Uh, I'm going to go a bit later, maybe like 89. 1993. Ooh, Ooh ding, ding. Uh, So uh, question two, who
0: is the most recent Collingwood player to wear a glove in an AFL match?
2: I can't really go past uh, Nick Maxwell.
1: That's a good good answer, uh, Jay. All uh, right. I mean, I only think of Travis cloak, but uh, I don't think, uh, I think that's going back a bit too far. Okay. Both, both off the mark. Ooh. It was Taylor Adams. Oh, of course.
0: Ooh. Yeah, I've seen him in a uh, glove. Yeah. Who busted, his, busted his finger or hand or something, mm. you know, two years ago, whatever it was. Okay. Next question. Uh, which brand of glove was made popular in the 90s? I'll give you a clue. It was a, it was a gridiron glove. <laughs>
2: Oh, we're testing our depth of knowledge in gridiron paraphernalia here.
0: I'm disappointed, gentlemen. I thought the uh I thought as uh proponents of, of gloved magpies you'd be a little bit sharper on this one, but that's okay. There are difficult questions.
2: Uh gridiron brand. Nike. No.
1: No.
2: Uh... riveting radio.
1: Champion. Yeah.
0: champion. Good game, good game. No, it wasn't champion, it was Eastern.
2: Eastern, uh, okay. Okay, <clears throat> okay so in one.
0: the in, this is a question in the twenty ten grand final replay. How many Collingwood players wore glove? Huh.
2: All right, Nick Maxwell, Chris Correct. Dawes, Travis Cloak, three.
0: Incorrect. Only two. Oh, uh, Chris oh. Chris Dawes only adopted the glove in 2011. Oh, so he wore question. the glove in the 2011 losing grand final, but he was gloveless in both the drawn grand final 2010 and the replay. Next question: Two magpies have worn double glove. Oh, is that allowed? You guys want to have a set. What is
1: a is, is what is a double glove? One on your head? <laughs>
0: double, <laughs> double glove is wearing wearing a set of gloves as opposed to well, just each one hand glove, which seems to be the the rigger. Like a, a pair, I guess. Are you allowed to wear a glove
2: uh, on each hand? In all seriousness?
0: Uh, yes, you you are you are I believe as long as it's a prescribed glove.
2: Wow, I can't picture a magpie with two mm, gloves. It yeah. just looks a bit um well cavity search.
1: Mm. I'm going to go with way. I'm going way back. I reckon rocker Anthony. Mm? He, he went through a glove phase. Mm. Uh, and the other one, I'm going to pick my brain. Tyson Lane. Yes. Fantastic. Oh,
0: okay, so, oh. so, so so Tyson wow. Lane, we all remember Tyson Lane. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, nope. Long hair. Yeah. Like so
0: yesterday. T- yeah. No, he well, wasn't, wasn't too long. It was slightly curly. It was very nineties. It was very diehard. Um, I cheeky brand. One. I think he played a couple of years and then Anthony rocker actually opted for the fingerless gloves,
2: oh, which was hello. quite unique. Oh, like, uh, of, um, yeah. Like Bronx. Okay.
0: Yeah. And there's actually, there's a, uh, there's a fable of Eddie McGuire commentating a game where Anthony rocker was wearing the double gloves. I think it was around the early noughts and Anthony rocker lined up for a set shot missed and in pure frustration, Eddie Maguire, whilst commentating, yelled out, take off the bloody gloves.
1: Uh, <laughs> hey, can, okay. I, can I throw in a trivia question about Tyson Lane? Actually, so Tyson Lane was originally from Melton, right? Mm. Which other famous, uh, at the time, soon to be the next Wayne Carey, Collingwood footballer, was also from Melton?
2: Aaron James.
1: Yes, Aaron James. Aaron James. Melton. Wow. Tyson Lane and Aaron James.
2: Famously, Dermy's favourite. Had a few skirmishes with the law
1: um, in, in later lives. Two more questions, two more questions,
0: and then we'll, we'll ditch this segment. So in 2016, Collingwood was slapped with a $1,500 fine for a player wearing an illegal glove. Who was the gloved perpetrator? Uh,
1: that This was Cloak. Correct. I remember this. And, and you know why I remember this? Because he kicked seven goals in the game after doing nothing for about a month before. Mm, and it was against GWS. And that's we, were, right. we were rubbish. And, they, and we blitzed them by like seven mm. goals out of nowhere. And then everyone was like, like, you know, where did this form of cloak come mm. from? And then it was the gloves.
2: Well, that goes directly to my theory. My theory being that, you know, we know the AFL has been fond of equalization me- measures. For many years. And I think if you look at the players that wear gloves, they're almost universally the more uncoordinated players. And it just kind of gives them that lift. If you look at Maxwell, not particularly a natural coordinated footballer. If you look at Travis Cloak, you know, couldn't hit a barn door. And, of course, my favourite gloved magpie, who we haven't touched on. The man himself who uh, almost agreed to get his finger cut off so he could continue playing football. Mm -hmm. Quinton mm. Lynch. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like gloves, I have no idea why gloves have ever been allowed in the game. It's ridiculous, but it must be some kind of equalisation.
0: Well, it's, a, it's a, interesting you asked that, you know, you, you raised that, Alex, because I did want to ask you a question. So there's been a lot of talk about gloves and their legality within the game, um, and the, the the gloves that have been banned are typically the gloves that have been utilised in American football. Mm. Um, that work well in certain conditions. So the, the Travis cloak glove that was banned was actually a, a, a glove that was made for snow, so for, for playing gridiron in, in, in snowy conditions. Now, that was outlawed, but since the dawn of football, the use of grippo mm. in, a, in a match is, is common, commonplace. So players will have a big smear of um, of that uh, that porous material on their jumper. Often it's um, forwards or defenders. Um, Maxwell was a big one. There's a lot of players that would have it on the shirt. You see this big ugly kind of oil mark, um, and would commonly use grip. I had that real like petroleum type smell to it. Um, But that seems to be okay, or, or at least it's not held up to the same rigors as the Nike. Air Force 6, um, twin-digit number. So my question to you guys is, should we be going after the manufacturers of Grippo? If we are talking about equalisation, should Grippo in the AFL be a banned contraband substance?
2: No, I mean, I think that um, what where players stick their mitts yeah. you know, and how they grubby up their fingers is up to them. As long as it's invisible. There's a big gulf between smearing your hand with some goo and um, potentially actually donning a piece of foreign fabric, bringing it onto the field and supplementing your uniform. I mean, I feel like gloves have mm. always been... I just have no idea. It would be interesting to look back at why initially that first juncture the AFL ever allowed gloves in. Like, I don't even know what the 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 logic was behind... <laughs>
0: Well, to be I think I think I think it would have been it would have been squeezed through under the uh, guise of medical right. Like it would have been the Quentin Lynch excuse, which is like I've Six severely fingers. busted my finger and I can't play without it.
1: I also think though, like if we ban Grippo, like it's not you know, players are gonna do everything to get around skirt the rules and they'll just be putting it in their sacks, you know, and there'll be lots of vision of guys with their hands down their pants. Mm. We, we all know what's there. going on. Sticky Grippo. Yeah, sticky sack, mm. playing sticky sack, so just, not just a not a go
0: good go. not a good sight reaching good into block. your pants and pulling out a sticky substance. So I, I think we are p- potentially in agreement <laughs> on that one. Right. So Steel Side Bottom departed the hub last week to be with his partner as they eagerly await the birth of their first child, which is a huge moment in anyone's life. Yes. Uh, and that's a move that we we should go on record as saying that Pie Hard fully supports, and we do wish both of them uh, well. But we did see a furor erupt on Twitter shortly after the announcement when uh, someone suggested that like weddings and overseas holidays, AFL footballers and their partners should plan parenthood around the off-season as not to interrupt the AFL season. Now, normally this wouldn't be an issue, and at worst in any other season – the, the most that could go wrong with a, with a pregnancy mid-season is, is could be a mismatch, right? Um, but, of course, in hub life, nothing is normal. So I wanted to get the Pie Hard team's thoughts on whether there's any merit to this guy on Twitter or if the pile-on was deserved. So I'll start with you, Turbo. And I know this is a very uh, contentious uh, uh subject so we're going to dance
1: around it pretty pretty uh carefully but what are your thoughts well just first of all this was one of lee matthew's rules never uh we don't want you missing any finals so uh so keep it in your pants uh or time it uh mm. time it uh so uh so you don't miss uh any any finals and uh and this literally was something that he said to all the players um but you know these babies now, they're on New Year's Eve. These They're babies from <laughs> King of Season. You know, mm. December, January, Las Vegas players kids. on their break. Mm. Las Vegas Strip kids. Clubs. Strip clubs, drugs, sex, rock and roll, all the things that the players want, but they mm. can't have during the season. And I also just thought as well, like, so, I mean, now should be the season of mating. I guess it is spring. Mm. But, you know, the players are so run down. Uh, during the season with all the mm. pressures of AFL football that maybe uh, with all the pressures on the field, you mm. know, maybe it's a bit difficult to get into the bone zone when you're at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're I, a I, I, stuffy, I like, in the bedroom because you're focusing on the games. Uh, I, like,
0: I like that. I want to get to you, Alex, but I, I do want to point out that it is of course not a perfect science. Um, and, uh, uh, you it, know, there's a lot of elemental forces at play, but Alex love to get your take.
2: Look, I think it's important to clarify that we're not suggesting that White Whitebottom's partner uh, was met at a um, Las Vegas strip club mm. before we go ahead. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, look, it's not a perfect science, and therein lies my concern. I At Pie heart we obviously respect every woman's control over her re- reproductive bits. Um, <laughs> we're on board with... Marty Dangerfield and Hester Brown, who recently said that they're sick of being called wags, they want to be referred to as significant others. And significant they are. But look, let's be honest here. The whole father-son thing, it leaves too much to chance in general. And essentially uh, with the breeding um, academy, which I think we've discussed before, the Magpie Breeding Academy, we can't afford to have any of this kind of unsurety around dates. So I would propose that um, when we do get the Magpie Breeding Academy up and running, that December and January, we close the whole facility down. And I think that um, mm. we just avoid the whole problem of babies at that time of year altogether.
0: Yeah, I want to get to you, uh, Jay, but I think we should clarify for our listeners that the Magpie Breeding Academy is is sort of a cross between Jurassic Park and um, some kind of IVF setup, where we get Collingwood champions from um, you know, current right through to the sixties, mm. uh, and. Part of some, you know, elaborate Russian-funded insemination uh, project. We are teaming Collingwood footballers with elite female athletes Mm. to uh, breed the next generation of, uh, you know, Collingwood champions. Uh, you would have heard heard us talk about that in the past.
1: Sorry, Jay. Continue. No. Well, also these disgusting people on Twitter. You know, they'll be the first ones to be tweeting in twenty years' time when uh, their son or daughter plays their first game for the respective Collingwood mm. women's or men's team uh, with great happiness, and they'll forget about this tweet that they did twenty years ago, complaining. Demo.
0: Yeah, well, look, I I think the the last comment I want to say is this could all still turn out really, really good. So we are still hopeful at uh, Pie Hard that a natural birth occurs hopefully in the next four hours. And um, Steel Sidebottom can spend a good uh, few minutes with his child and be back on a jet headed towards Twin Waters to um, start his long and arduous quarantining process. You know, we are... Living in in a in a, in a reality here, and I just wonder if um, Eddie Maguire has texted Seal at any point and just suggested the uh, the process of, of potentially a C-section and or. Uh, bringing a child on early and just how, you know, that, that is a regular and a normal thing to do. Um, and, you know, many people do that often uh, every week and just, you know, maybe to consider that as part of uh, a natural uh, approach to, to birthing that, you know, inducing labor and C-sections yeah. to potentially speed things up is a very natural uh, way to do it. And, you know, could obviously have some benefits down the track.
2: And look, there's another option here. Who's to say um, a water birth suite won't be available at the Twin Waters?
0: Well, that's a very good, like they do have a lagoon pool uh, and we do know that about the Twin Waters. I think they have a couple of pools. So I I would, look, if it was me having a child, I'd be uh, be up there in a flash enjoying all the uh, amenities um, of the uh, Novotel. uh, You know it, Alex.
2: In all seriousness, Damien, you're the only father on the pod. Mm. Uh, How long would it take for a mother in particular and her child, her fresh baby to be ready uh, to travel potentially? How, how long are they going to need in Melbourne after the birth?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, I think three months is, is typically the, uh, you know, that's the, probably what the medicos are suggesting just because it can play a little bit of havoc on the ears.
2: Oh, okay. So um, they're not suggesting, yeah. just to get this straight, that no one's suggesting that Steele's going to return to the hub with his new family. He's just going to bail. Is he? Is that the plan?
0: Yeah, I think. I think that's, to be honest, I think that's part of this I whole have, yeah. dilemma. Would be the return back to the hub would have to be um, solo, because yeah, there's there's a few other issues as well. There's obviously the support of families and um, and a need to kind of recover uh particularly from a birth so yeah i i think that is the likely scenario so we do want you know in all honesty we do want steel to uh enjoy this to soak it in to spend some time um but you know uh duty is indeed potentially calling and to marry up uh both sides we think there's a win-win uh for both parties in all of this well said well said yeah um, <laughs> I think that's probably it for the pie piehard um, birthing segment. Unless you've got anything to add, Jay?
1: No, I was just going to say maybe he's. Here. I mean, he's probably missed the last flight anyway. That I heard uh, referenced so many what times the, in the this last is bullshit. couple of What, what is the like, last? I, what the fuck is the last like, flight? Oh, yeah, on the, I'm on the last flight. It doesn't know, make with, any with sense. Gary Ablett and Damien Barrett. It's, and it's, it's ridiculous. Like, so you know
0: he affect. He could. It's insane, right? Like, what? How long do you quarantine for? Fourteen
1: days. No but i mean, like what like No, 14, uh, no I'm I'm just asking there. what I'm, I'm asking Yeah, it's 14 what, days.
0: Okay, so effectively the last flight can be 14 days before the grand final if Collingwood makes it, right? Like
2: No, there's but flights there's some going suggestion to Queensland. that the the flight that took off with you know Laden with all the big wigs of the AFL, mm. Eddie Maguire, Gill, they're all on the same flight. Some kind of suggestion that that was their last opportunity. I don't get it either. What's why is it called the last flight turbo? <laughs>
1: I don't know. That's what I. I'm perplexed because they make it sound like it's like everyone's going into this fortress or Big Brother house, <laughs> uh, and there's no way out. Uh, maybe they should do a Big Brother at Twin Waters. Uh, that would be quite a scene. But maybe they, maybe
0: they were maybe they were suggesting it was more Final Destination, which is the film where oh, yeah. um, Gillen doesn't get on the plane, the plane crashes, and then the 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 the, the death ghost follows him around and starts killing all of his sorority friends. Ghost of Eddie Maguire.
1: You always hear about these players that, you know, puncture a lung and have to drive back from Perth. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a way uh, to get up there. Take a schooner. Take a boat. Enjoy.
0: Soak up. Spend your 14 days cruising up the east coast of Australia. I couldn't think of
1: anything better. And that's... Just fill the boat with cocaine. So, if you do get caught, you can blame the cocaine and you won't be looked down upon as a COVID cheat. (laughs)
0: Okay, so if you're not on board the Pie Hard social train, then you deserve to be in stage four for the remainder of the year. And it's pretty simple. Uh, Even Nathan Buckley, the Collingwood coach, is on board with Pie Hard Sort of. Yes. So follow us on Twitter, uh, at PyHard Podcast, and also on Instagram at the same handle, at PyHard Podcast. We're not on TikTok for obvious reasons, and don't forget to subscribe to PyHard where you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode, Alex.
2: Just going to pull you up on that, Damo. I'm not sure if you were going to pause to explain the situation, but I think it's worthy um, mm. to explain to our listeners uh, how Nathan – is now a friend of the show. How did that come about?
0: Well, this is, this would be common knowledge to a lot of fans of Pie Hard, but uh, in 1996, we bought the rights to basically every photograph of the Collingwood Football Club prior to that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that, uh, and it was, you know, $17.50 well spent I'd say. And so we are sitting on the archive basically of the, uh, the nineties era Collingwood football club. And uh, from that pile of Polaroids and um, Ellen McAllister, Private after dark snaps. We did pull out a uh, a rather intriguing photograph of a young Nathan Buckley. Now we have it on good authority that the photograph was Nathan um, rocking up to preseason training in 1993, fresh from his move from the Bears. Um, but you know, not not out of the ordinary. A lot of a lot of uh, players will will rock up to um, you know preseason training all wide-eyed and, and bushy-tailed. But really, what shocked us was Nathan's attire. Mm. Now, whilst his teammates were wearing arguably the greatest training jumper Mm. of all time, and fans of Pie Hard will know exactly what we're talking about, we're talking about the 90s era, white, blue, and black training jumpers, spices paper, AFL logo with just the the old heritage bird stuck on the chest plate. Yes. Uh, But no, Nathan was wearing what could only be described as a mishmash of a psychedelic tie-dyed, not long sleeve jumper kind of like a, a mid-length jumper like you know remember ricky ponting wearing cricket would wear that kind of long <laughs> yes. semi-sleeve jumper um and some of the most the rudest you know um you know three inch seam running shorts that we've we've ever seen Leopard print. and he, he just looked he looked he looked like the the prince had returned so you know, just clearly a step above everyone else, the anointed prodigal son, as as we know who he was, and it was summed up in an image.
2: Exacerbated that whole that whole look was exacerbated by the company around him. Who was who was jogging the boundary with uh, Nathan on that great day?
0: I think next to him, I'll have to go back to the image. Was... But I think Ned Kelly was uh, was in a jovial mood next to him. I think Monkey was leading the pack. Yeah, Damon Tony, Tony oh, was in there. It's uh, Bradley Plain, who's a bit of a fan of ours on the pod, um, was giving a bit of a cheeky grin towards the back. Look, it was it was a it was a, it probably wasn't the strongest Collingwood scene you'd seen on paper. We'd start to shed a few of the nineteen ninety stars uh, for a number of reasons, and we were finding our way. We were moving into the Tony Shaw era, so it was a you know it, it, you know it was laying the foundations for the
2: next four years. That was for sure. And uh, Damo, what was the, um, how was that connected back to Nathan, current day Nathan?
0: Okay, yeah, sorry, I should answer that. So, um, you know, as everyone knows, again, we are the uh, Collingwood's unofficial sartorial podcast. So we talk about, you know, we go where the others don't and we talk about fashion and we talk about style Mm -hmm. and we talk about clothing. Um, and you know, if someone's wearing a nice pair of boots or, you know, a nice sweater, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do a podcast on it. So, uh, rather than, um, you know, rather than hypothesise on uh, Nathan Buckley's choice of attire, we decided to go straight from the source. Uh, tried calling him; he didn't answer, so we were reduced to going through uh, a lesser mean, which was Twitter. I don't like doing that normally; it's a it's a direct phone call and or a fax. Uh, but on, on this occasion, we uh, we did manage to get onto him. He was just about to jump on the bus. Um, after the win, uh, it was apparently supposed to talk to Fox Footy, but decided to go straight pie hard for this one. And yeah, just confirmed that um, the garment of uh, in focus was indeed a Bali uh, number uh, Mm -hmm. purchased, Mm -hmm. and it was his go-to for extra sessions. um, You know, weights, kind of pick up, pick up. Um, you know, you know, training. Training drills. So light, breezy, you know, quite fetching. And um did acknowledge that he'd made some mistakes in the past. But what Nathan didn't understand was the um the cultural trend around tie-dyed fashion at the moment. It's almost hit its peak. But you know, that 90s look is, you know, on the catwalks. And I believe pie heart is is as we're seeing now, you mean you can't see this because it's a podcast, but you know, esteemed, uh, you know, esteemed member of the Pi Hard panel, Alex Watkins is donning something very similar to what Nathan Buckley mm, was wearing.
2: So same body, too.
0: If only Nathan knew the um, the choices that he was making in nineteen ninety three would um, be, you know, on the catwalks of Paris in two thousand and twenty. I mean, he might take back that comment that it was a decision made in in error mm. uh, due to youth.
2: So the lesson here is. Um Listeners, if, you, if you're not on Pie Hard Twitter, get on there. You can have a look at Nathan's uh, direct reply to the Pie Hard question and um, you can get a glimpse uh, behind the curtain, so to speak, of the dressing room that was Nathan 1993 because he was quite a specimen and uh, it gave us a good giggle.
0: Exactly. Now, we want to move on and this, is, this kind of like is a good lead in to that period of the 90s because we've picked up on something and uh, I want to throw this out there, but do you guys remember – a time not so long ago, when the Collingwood Football Club was proudly recognised as wait for it a destination club. Yeah. Now, it was a team that guaranteed big crowds, big exposure, big bucks. Oh yeah. And limit and limitless OTEs post their footballing lives. Now, for for our for those of you who aren't up with uh, business lingo, OTE is an opportunity to earn. Uh, so, you know, a, a job, a, a job at Collingwood is a job for life, but recently it feels like we've been knocked off the mantle. Mm. I certainly felt that with, uh, the Tom Lynch snub mm. and there's been a few others. We don't want to, we don't want to dwell on the negatives, but it, it has felt like, you know, Chris Jard, you know, Stephen, May. Locker, Stephen May, you know, mm. we, we've been in this, we've been in this conversation around a lot of these big players and, you know, they've been going off to shell clubs. Now, look, that's probably in part to, um, you know, our laundry list of off-field dramas, continuous coaching speculation, subpar on-field performances, bulging cap space, and, of course, Eddie McGuire. But we were shocked this week uh, to see that ex-Fremantle and Giants forward Cam McCarthy Mm. on Perth Radio nominated Collingwood as his third club of choice. Now, just putting Cam McCarthy aside for one second, Are we seeing the rebirth of Collingwood as the place to be as the destination club? And why do we think that is?
2: Well, look, I would like to put Cam McCarthy aside. (laughs) I mean, aside from all of our, you know, future trade speculations, because I (laughs) went into that. um, It was a podcast actually called the Mm. J-Mo and Dylan show and good on those two blokes, the two sandgropers over there in the West, young men mm. doing a great job with the podcast. <laughs> and they've got Cam McCarthy on the show. <laughs> and let me just say the guy is disarmingly honest. He seems like a good bloke, but he does not do himself any favours. He he talks in the podcast about having significant week-to-week struggle, wondering when he's on the ground whether he's good enough to be on the ground. He admits to having intense anxiety in crowds. He talks about <laughs> how important family is to him and that support mm. network and homesickness he experienced when he's in GWS. And, of course, that's the reason Mm. he went back to Fremantle in the first place, which begs the question, of course, why uh, or how is he going to cope living in Melbourne unless he plans on commuting? As we know, and through no fault of his own, he's diagnosed as as an epileptic at the start of the year. So he's got some medical concerns potentially in that department. Um, And more to the point he's a third string tall. I don't see him in any way as like uh, an answer to our kind of key forward stocks in terms of bringing in that powerful key forward. We've already got a plethora of, you know, third string type tools. Mychek's doing a brilliant job in that type of role. So look, uh, good luck to the boy. I, I really do wish him all the best, but um, not for us.
1: Mm. I mean, does he get, and I know this isn't meant to be a about Cam McCarthy, but does he get to nominate a club? I mean, at this stage of his career, do you have that, that strength uh, to still do that? But regardless, two first round draft picks, get it done. We've done it in the past. Let's do it again. <laughs> I also heard that Cam is bulging in debt uh, and he's heard whispers uh, that coming to Collingwood magically seems to get mm. all this debt washed away. Uh, like we've seen in potentially all the whispers uh, that it happens in the past. So he's playing the game. But get it done anyway because uh, we love it. I think there's,
0: you know, I've been, I've been exploring this for the best part of the week and it's kind of like I've been going back through the archives and trying to think what's changed, right? Because the drama's still there. Eddie's still there. You know, we aren't setting the world on fire with our, with our play at the moment. So it's like what, what's, what's the difference? Like why, why are these players starting to nominate Collingwood? And it, it always, you know, kind of after the marination, it, it reduces itself down to this. And it's the Darcy Moore wingman effect. Mm. Now, we have long said on this podcast that Darcy Moore is the sexiest looking footballer that we've ever seen.
2: Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, and he's
0: just getting better. Like he, he, like every single game. Like now, the hair's out and it's flowing, and he's got that strength back and the power. Like his his final quarter against Carlton was. Oh wow!
2: The gazelle, um,
0: <clears throat> incredible. But the wingman effect, just to, just to linger on this for a second, is, you know, we've all been, you know, we've all been uh, out to bars with a friend, and that friend's got the, you know, the JT chiseled jaw look and the bright blue eyes and the sandy blonde hair. And look, you know, they're a step above in terms of the looks department. And they act as a, a, a semi beacon mm. um, to other females and males and, you know, and, and just people in general. They're a, they're a conduit. They're a magnet. And uh, I think what we're seeing here is is this Darcy Moore wingman effect where you have the sexiest football, footballer that's ever played the game playing for Collingwood. And anyone that's not on that level, and I can tell you, not not many people are, will come to Collingwood, bask in the glory and get the net effect of hanging out and being next to someone like Darcy Moore, and that's going to be, you know, free drinks at bars, it's going to be upgrades on flights, you know, it's going to be that that affection from the crowd, and I, I think there's something in it. And I think Collingwood should really dive into that. And um, I'm calling it make Darcy more the next Collingwood captain.
2: You got the wingman of Darcy on one side, and the other the Truffle Pig, just to balance it out. Absolute he combination.
1: Truffle Pig. It's a very very attractive team when you think about it. Do you I, think any of the? I mean, perhaps. Uh, Perhaps maybe, maybe there's a bit of um, vanity in, in, in our drafting uh, and recruiting and maybe Cam McCartney's not going to get there because he just uh, doesn't have the looks. Do you reckon,
0: uh, do you reckon Derek Hines just uh, combing the, uh, the facial jaw structures of, of <laughs> the uh, next generation of Collingwood <laughs> footballers to try and create a superpower, sexy race of footballers in tight yeah. shorts? This could be something in that as well. Ned yeah. Guy maybe has something to answer for.
2: Well all I can say is Heinz got some interesting taste if that's the case when you look at Jordan <laughs> Degoei in particular. But um we love the man.
1: No, but you gotta you gotta appeal to all the all the parts of society. You know, you've got like Will Huskin Elliott who appeals to like the girls that are into, you know, railroad barons and and, and various plate like um Fans of World War Two, Exactly, yes. <laughs>
0: okay, so look, speaking of Darcy Moore, we want to quickly touch on, uh, now I'm sure you gentlemen are well aware of this, but it's Father's Day on Sunday. Make sure you don't forget. But Collingwood at the moment is having its peak father-son moment. We've got a Dacos, a Brown, a Kelly. And um, I know he's not technically his father, but I'm going to lump R2 in this one because isn't... <laughs> Isn't Joppa in oh. some way a, uh, a stepfather or some kind of father figure? So that's all right. I'm lumping all those guys together and it's magical to see. Now with Father's Day approaching, I wanted to ask, uh, you, know, ask you guys a question about you know, just diving further into this uh, father-son tar pit. Um, and, and just who else have we got coming through now? I've got some names here. I'm not, I'm not sure how you want to do this, Alex, but, uh, mm. boy, there's some exciting names here. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll list out some names. And what I'll ask is out of this list of, uh, sons of famous Collingwood champions. Yeah. What excites you? The, who Who's exciting you the most? And I guess the pertinent question would be, who do we need the most? So let me just go through a few names here. Some will be familiar. Some won't be. And I just want to caveat this by saying no pressure on these young gentlemen uh, or these young boys. Um, if they don't want to play football, that's completely fine with pie hard. But for the instances of this segment, we are assuming that they are going to be 300 game champions. So let me roll off some names. As we know, Peter Dacos has another son coming through the ranks, uh, meant to be uh, quite a high touted pick, uh, a little bit more advanced than the others. His name's Nick Dacos. Leon Davis. Neon mm. Leon has a son called Levi. Nice. Um, now, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be amazing to see young Levi wearing the number one jumper running around the ground? Something that's really interesting, let's, let's focus on the Rocker brothers here for a second. Um, good Italian stock, got some sons coming through. So Severio has two sons, Lucas and Marcus like those names. Good, strong, powerful names. Anthony Rocker has a son called Max. Geez, wouldn't it be interesting to see three Rockers right three. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Paul Lecuria has a son. Paul Lecuria has a son. I like this name. Cassius. Yeah. It's a name you don't hear often, but we, we love that name. Of course, coach Nathan Buckley has two sons, Jet and Ace. Oh, yeah. I mean, those names just sound good, don't they? They just yeah, sound like merch. On a button Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be interesting (laughs) and then of course scott Scott pendlebury with a son that he named after a um a bloodthirsty uh suicidal sociopathic um motorcycle rider Jax from sons of anarchy so look that's just a few sorry if we've missed some collingwood champions who have had sons in the past uh the extent of our research probably didn't stretch too far on this one but i might start with you alex I'm sure some of those names are, are wetting the whistle now. Who who would you like to see in the black and white? If you could, you could pick one for excitement factor and two for
2: need. Look, in all honesty, every time you brought up a new name, I I, I just got more excited. It was so difficult to pick between them. I was super excited by the prospect of a young Leon Davis. Um, I think a Levi Davis. You mentioned a name was. Um, Gee, wouldn't that be great? I mean, he's he's potentially my all-time favourite magpie that I've watched in my lifetime, so that, that would be super exciting. We also have a real dearth of crummers, I think, at ground level, genuine crummers, and as we know, Leon uh, went back to great effect later in his career, and as we know, uh, all sons are destined to fulfil uh, the potential of their fathers, so that would be a brilliant sight, but... Encouragement award for uh, the two Buckley boys, um, you know, wouldn't that be a powerful sight to have that midfield just resplendent yeah. with that kind of penetration, that slingy kick, maybe one on the right footer, one on the left footer, so you got one on each wing, that slingy sideways kick um, penetrating the forward 50. But my conclusion, I can't go past two Severios. We are... Uh, mm. We have very limited shoulder hair in the forward line <laughs> as it as stands, you look at Stevenson's barely got barely got a hair on his face. I am not sure he's gone through puberty yet, but those rocker <laughs> brothers I don't know whether they're ten, twelve, fourteen years old, but I guarantee they've already got shoulder hair. They're already probably six foot four. Uh, they can already six pitch foot 72 metres. Um, two young Severios. I'm hoping they're twins and they'll make the, the King brothers, Max and Ben King, look like floppy arm children.
1: Just... <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. Uh, yeah. uh, turbo. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't think I can go past the Rockers. But, uh, I mean, it'd be great to see a Cassius play for Collingwood. I think that might be a first. Um, But, I mean, it'd be also, you know, we know that Nathan Buckley is going to coach Kevin Cheedy esque years uh, Mm. because he's not going anywhere and neither is Eddie. So, it'd be great to see him coach his sons. I think it would be great for the game. And it'd also be good just to to see him give him a spray and then for them to be like the bratty 18-year-old reply, just like, fuck off, dad. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going with uh, Bucks kids, Jet and Ace uh, as my pick.
2: The end game should be that we, um, we just populate our entire... Th- team with father sons why can't we take the whole fucking lot i mean it's father son right yeah,
0: i hear you i hear you I'm, I'm 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 leaning towards that scrap the scrap the initial question get them all in there that's a that's a powerful forward line you've got three rockers you've got a leon Davis. you have got supply from the buckley's and the pendlebury's
1: and <laughs> we could be the first team to field a team 100 of father
2: sons wouldn't that be something? I mean, we've already we've already started. I mean, you look... I don't want to kind of retrace our steps again, but you look at Josh Dacos coming on. Nick Dakos is going to come in. Darcy Moore's dominating. Tyler Brown's had a breakout game. Callum Brown's... Well, he might not make it. But look, it's a fantastic mix. <laughs> and I think we just supplement with all this young talent coming through. So <laughs> a club full of father-sons. Oh, boy, I'm excited.
1: Make for an interesting family day. <laughs> okay, well, that was a... Uh
0: that was quite a good podcast. I think we, we managed to cover off all of the big issues going on. Clearly there's a lot happening at the moment um, and it's changing by the day. And we're looking forward to the Brisbane game on Friday, but Look, straight off the bat, we want to thank you for listening, Um, the Pie Hard listener. We love your support. Um, Please get in touch with us on socials, as we said, at Pie Hard Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the Brisbane Grand Final, your favourite gloved player, and let us know what you think about our, um, you know, our... Look at future father-sons. We'd love to hear from you. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you back on the pod. Thank you for your uh, your brilliant insights. It's been great. I hope you've enjoyed it.
2: Look, we're back, baby. None of this asterisk talk this week. We're, uh, we're asterisk free for a week, and uh, we're going into this Brisbane game with a lot of excitement.
0: And Jay, thanks for another solid session on the pod. I really liked what you um, said about Nathan Buckley having his uh, Kevin Sheedy moment by extending his contract with the Collingwood football club for 27 years.
1: Well, it'd be great to get him on uh, once within those 27 years, maybe pie hard episode 462, I think uh, (laughs) would be good. And, uh, but yeah, another week down uh, looking forward to, uh, to Brisbane on Friday. This
0: was pie hard.